1: Episode 70 on The New Truth Podcast, How to Become a Sexually Empowered Woman with Janelle Frazier. Janelle is so phenomenal. This episode was incredible. And Janelle is a New Truth podcast lover, which was so (laughs) fun as we listened. So she got to not only share her love for the podcast, but share her tremendously brilliant expertise around true sexual empowerment, how to ask for what you need in your relationships, how to stop abandoning yourself in your relationships. And she is married and has an extraordinary relationship story on how she's continued to honor her true desires and had a partner really step up in that with her. And so if you are curious about and being empowered around your sexuality, your sensuality, and really feeling like you can ditch the good girl. I mean, I feel like every episode of Being Empowered as a woman, we talk about the good girl. So ditching the good girl and and really, we, we just covered so much. <laughs> we covered yeah, a freaking lot
0: in this episode. And one of the things I love, Janelle is a dear friend of mine. We go way, way back. She... I met her, gosh, I don't know, like over 10 years ago and it's been so beautiful witnessing her on her journey of really claiming like sacred sexuality and, Mm -hmm. and sexual growth and liberation was really her gift in her personal life. And she was a business coach when I first met her. And so it was so cool to see her claim her area of expertise. And what I love about Janelle is, well, she's like the girl next door. She's from New Brunswick, Canada. She's so authentic. She's just so herself and so relatable and so easy to connect with. But I also love that when she talks about sexuality, it's not like do weightlifting with your vagina or like extreme. I find a lot of the sexual teachers that are out there are amazing, but they're so advanced that for me Mm. on my journey, I've looked at them and been like, well, that's a little bit far away from where I am. And I feel like Janelle's a lot more relatable for women who are totally shut down or having an okay sex life, but not full, totally fulfilled or just have blind spots. Like she's more relatable for every woman. Yeah. Um, even if you've had trauma and we definitely, mm-hmm. she talks a little bit about trauma in her story. So sort of trigger warning. Um, but yeah, she's, she's pretty special.
1: That was the best description of her. <laughs> and I So appreciate you saying that about the girl next door. Cause I feel like what was also true in this episode is you and I got super vulnerable. Like Janelle Mm -hmm. was so well-versed in her vulnerability and we really invite you into this conversation. So yes, this is not a conversation about being empowered sexually where you have to be, you know, posting naked pictures of yourself online and trying, you know, all these gymnastics, but having a very vulnerable and real conversation about what we as women come up against the impact trauma has on our sexuality and janelle really normalizes the company we take the, the shame out of it and that's even something we talk about in the episode what to do with sexual shame and her signature method is the feminine confidence formula and so it was really cool we really talk about what the true meaning of confidence is and she weaves her story. She talks a lot about the questions her clients ask, right? Like the things that she hears in her groups. So I love that this episode feels like, like the fly on the wall for the conversation we all wish we could have, you know, all the time. So we can't wait for you to listen. Is there anything else you want to say before I read her bio?
0: No, I think bio is good. Yeah. You'll love it. Enjoy.
1: Janelle was named by Yahoo Finance as a top 10 relationship coach in 2020. She is a coach with nearly a decade of experience guiding women and couples, a sexual abuse survivor, a partner in a 12-year relationship, and she's a mom. Her background is in psychology, (laughs) kinesiology. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you said. Oh my God. NLP, hypnosis. Timeline therapy should have practiced saying that before this, huh? Uh, Coaching and yoga and her signature method is called the feminine confidence formula. She helps women go from feeling disconnected, turned off and insecure in intimacy to fully confident in expressing themselves and communicating their needs so they can feel free, fully alive and create deeply connected relationships or evolve the one they are already in. So wherever you are on your journey, single or in a relationship or 30 years married, this episode is
0: for you. Enjoy. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. So happy that you're here with us Janelle this interview has been a long time in the works. We've been talking about having you on for like pretty much since the beginning. So,
2: so excited um, to have you here. Thank you. I am definitely coming in as a fan girl of the show. I've been listening from the beginning. I mean, I knew when you guys were even putting this together before it was even public. So I feel like I'm here on so many levels, a friend, an expert, um, and definitely a fan of the show. I have listened to probably almost every episode. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. That means so much to
1: us, and this is a whole different vibe since you get to come in loving our work, and we are seriously loving on you, and I feel really honored that our listeners get to hear you and everything you have to say today about so much that so many women struggle with around relationship and sex and intimacy and their sexuality and confidence and asking for what they need. We're going to cover it all together. And while everyone has just heard your bio, I would love to start with really your, whatever you'd like to say
2: about what brought you into this work. So I'll start by saying I show up to university young and hot and I meet this guy and I'm like all obsessed with him and I don't want to have sex with him. And that's really where the journey begins because we have several years of struggle until I finally decide I'm going to go talk to someone. And in that conversation, I don't know what the problem is, but all I know was that something happened when I was seven. This is what I tell the counselor. And I said something happened when I was seven and you know now I was molested as a child. That's what I was trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that really was this opening for this sexual healing journey. And so, you know, fast forward several years, I got to a place where I was felt understood. I shared with my family, something that I had kept my whole life from them. Um, I was in a good place with what happened to me, but I still didn't have any desire. I still wasn't able to meet my partner's needs. I still didn't enjoy intimacy. And I really felt like something was missing. Um, and so I actually started taking all of my coach certifications and alternative healing work really in a desperate attempt to figure it out myself. Um, you know, I feel like when I look back at all the big risks that I was taking, people are like, how are you so brave, you know, to do this and do that at such a young age. And it's like, that was totally a force of wanting answers for myself. And as a result, I ended up building building a really successful business and actually got kind of tangled up in the business. I was traveling the world, which is when I met Kate, taking all these luxury trainings and making lots of money and being a sought after leader. And there's still... I still felt like a kid when it came to what was happening inside of my relationship. And I got to this point of having a multiple six figure year. And at the peak of all that success, when I realized like I still feel so empty Um, and this issue is just following me, I'm gaining more confidence. I'm gaining more sense of myself and success um, but I, this issue isn't changing. And so I really just stopped worrying about the home rentals and the trips and the business growth and decided to really l- learn about intimacy, learn about communication, you know, and have those difficult conversations with my partner. And that's really where my, the new version of my work, um, and all of my old stuff, And what I did completely relates, Um, but now it's just a lot more specialized in everything that I've learned and been able to step through and sort of the end result now is we have a a baby and she's, or not a baby, she's two and a half. Um, And we have more fulfilling intimacy and a great sex life that we never had before, you know, more frequent, more fulfilling. Um, I feel more embodied, more sensual, you know, with every year. And we finally feel like lovers and not just people who live together.
1: Wow. Thank you for sharing all of that. We've had, you know, I, I just, every time we hear someone's story, I, I do dream of a world where one day this is not the, it almost feels like the norm at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, for sexual abuse to be part of everyone's story. And so over and over again, want to acknowledge for every person listening, like you are not alone and you just shared your healing story in about two minutes. And I'm sure it did not feel like two minutes um, of all the things that you had to do. And we hope as we enter this conversation that we bring normalization to the struggle and normalization to what a journey it is for a woman to come home to her body and her sensuality and to feel free and whole, um, in her relationships and her life. And I'm curious, you know, to hear you say like, I, here I am, you know, meeting this guy in college that you enter a relationship with, but, and you don't want to have sex and what you hear with your clients too. What does I don't want to have sex or I don't feel, was it, would you say it was, I don't feel desire or what was that like for you?
2: What I wanted to say before I, I answer that is a lot of times people will hear these conversations or they'll be like, yeah, I don't have desire either. Or I, you know, I'm not interested in intimacy or I struggle there too, or I don't enjoy it, but I wasn't abused. And so like, there's just an additional thing wrong with me. And I just want to bring this up that a lot of my clients have abuse in their past, but these challenges and issues, um, and my work is by no means exclusive to those who have trauma. And that even if you don't have trauma, um, all of the problems and challenges you're having are super, super valid. And, um, you know, you don't need to compare your journey to someone else and think, Oh, I, I shouldn't be feeling this way. Cause I wasn't mm. abused you know, what's wrong with me. Um, there's Thank a lot of for stuff we're going to go over today.
0: Yeah. And I also think that, um, you know, even if you don't have severe trauma, there's very few women on planet earth who have at one time in their life, not set, wait, I'm not, I'm not sure how I'm saying this. There's very few women who have not had the experience of, saying yes when their body was saying no because we weren't educated about our body we weren't educated about sexuality properly we weren't educated about what makes a woman different to a man and really we learned sex through how men experience sex not through how women do so i know that for the women that i've worked with and all of my friends and like I, i i've yet to meet a woman who hasn't even with the love of her life even with her husband um, who hasn't said yes to sex when her body was a no. And that is a trauma. So,
2: yes, that is a really awesome point. Um, and in fact, a lot of the women that end up going through my work, they, that's one of the things I hear a lot is like, oh, I didn't think that I had sexual trauma until you helped us to redefine it and not just pigeonhole it into what you know we'll call as like big T traumas, the, you know, Rapes and molestation and sort of those things that we think are, are more obvious sexual trauma, there is so much sexual trauma, even in loving relationships. You know, I have sexual trauma from my loving consensual relationship. So um, absolutely, that's really important and helps to, for people to have a broader scope of that and I know Catherine, you asked a question that we, we derailed, so we can whip around. <laughs> after
1: that. No, it's, it's, it, this is so important. And I really appreciate you pausing to address that. And th- what I was asking is what did no desire, or I didn't want to have sex because I I think polarization, like there's an extreme for just about every pattern. Right. And so we have, The, I am shut down. I'm, I'm turned off. I don't want to have sex. And then there was me, which as a result of my trauma was unbelievably promiscuous and having lots of sex and sleeping around, but being disembodied completely and not enjoying it in any sense of the word. And so I also want to name that full spectrum, but what did your No desire, like I'm shut down, look like? And then what does it look like for your clients when they're coming to you?
2: Yeah. So for me, it looked like pulling away from my partner when they would touch me. It looked like avoiding touch altogether. It avoided all forms of intimacy because I didn't want to, you know, tease or flirt with him or even be playful because I didn't want to give him the wrong idea, only then to deny access to intimate times later. And so I found it actually cycled to not only just like not wanting to have sex or avoid avoiding like going to bed at the same time, but it started to actually change like who I was around him and and my ability to show up as myself and um you know so my flirty personality and playfulness and you know all the things that actually now I understand are really keys to my turn on I also was was shutting down, um, and so it also looked like you know feeling like this powerful leader in the day when I was doing my work and then I'd come home and feel just like a little girl and like I had. I couldn't get my words out and I couldn't, I would just freeze. It looked like having sex that my body felt frozen in and not enjoying or pain after sex, you know, it. And so I would say a lot of those things are very similar to what my clients feel. Um, you know, it also felt like mundane and like they just knew what to know what to expect and sort of the same boring thing that their mind and body can't get on board for. Um, I hear a lot of people feeling like a toddler or a kid, um, you know, versus a woman, even if they are a a leader or confident in other areas of their life, um, a lot of disconnection and, you know, a lot of myself included, you know, I felt broken. I felt like there was something wrong with me. It felt like all the women in my life were talking about sex or, you know, society's talking about sex. They love sex. And I'm like, do I just not get to experience that? Like, if I, am I just uninvited to that party, you know, like, it's something that I just, I just don't get to have. Um, and so I think, I think it also you start wondering what's wrong with you or um, what's causing it, which I think when you start asking the question, what's causing it, I think you find a lot of, a lot of things you didn't expect, because it's not as linear as one might think.
0: So can you tell us a little bit more about it in the context of your story with your partner? Like you, you, you've been with him for a long time <laughs> and, uh, since college, that's so wild. I didn't realize you'd been with him since college, but can you tell us a little bit about like when you first got together, what the relationship was like and, and when you started pulling away in this way, what happened to the
2: relationship and how
0: did he take it and how did you handle it?
2: Yeah. Um, from the beginning so you know we never got to have that hot time it, mm. it, it didn't exist for us um we met while we were partying and drinking and and so you know we'd hook up after too many beer um and too much weed <laughs> and <laughs> it would be whatever it was um you know maybe it, you know I I found I could always like enjoy everything up until a point it was like mm. I would be, could be interested and be open to it. Um, especially in the beginning, I think I was able to enjoy it a little bit more, but it still was never like, Oh, that was so good. And, you know, enjoyment, or I wanted to do it, or I was thinking about him until, you know, get him in my room to do that again. Like there was never that sort of crave or desire, although even though there was a desire to be with him. Um, and so this started looking like, you know, fights, um, and just confusion. Cause I didn't know what was happening. I don't, I didn't know why I was like this mm. for several years. Um, even, you know, when the abuse started coming up and I started working through it, I still didn't know, know why, like, it wasn't just that, you know, or I didn't know how to solve it, even if that's what I thought it was. So I think there was a lot of confusion on both of our parts. Like there was really felt like there was nothing that he could do to help. So he was losing a lot of confidence in our relationship and in himself. And, um, so I think it, it really got to a point where we, I mean, it's got to a point several times, if I'm honest, we've been together for going on 13 years where it's like, what are we doing? Like, can we even do this anymore? Like, you know, I'm just sick of having the same fight. I'm sick of always coming back here. Um, And so, you know, we broke up for a period of time and then kind of, then we're like, oh, we'll get back together. Like, I feel like that was really, then there was like an acceptance period of like, you know, okay, maybe this is just how it's going to be. So do we just choose this and accept this and, and love the rest of the things? Because to be honest, the rest of our relationship and our values, and everything else about our relationship and like on paper, it's just like, whoa, like what a power couple and so aligned. And, you know, there's no one, if the thing that has kept me going is just feeling so like certain of our path together. But at the same time, this has been such a weight to carry for 13 years, you know, in our relationship. Um, and it's, yeah, I would say there's been a, a many, many moments of like, do we want to even keep doing this? Or maybe we're just not meant to be together or would it be better, or easier somewhere else? All those concerns. I'm sure
0: many women are relating to this right now. <laughs> yeah.
1: So then the way- what, what brought you to even being able to answer that question? Cause here you are together. Like, what do you think he would say if he was asked about his experience during all this time <laughs> or during that time?
2: I hope to interview him someday. <laughs> um, I think he was taught to be a good man and he is a good man. And I think he. I think he never wanted to hurt me or push the idea or, you know, force himself or, you know, or, or, fight over it or give me any sort of pressure. Um, and I remember telling him, you know, it got telling him at a point that it's like, when I'm having sex, this was several years ago now, but I told him that when we were having sex, like, you know, I was often either in pain or I would be experience pain afterwards, um, or I would just sort of do it for him, but not because I wanted to. And I just had to have those honest conversations and it crushed him. Um, you know, it makes me emotional to even think about that because that was also, I put him in that situation where he was also unaware that he was engaging in this, what he thought was intimacy with a, a woman who didn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, And couldn't voice that. And so I think it was a struggle between that dynamic and at the same time, his needs, and he is a sexual person, and he didn't have that struggle and what he wanted for our relationship was very different. Um, And so it just, it felt, um, I think he was very conflicted through the whole thing is what I would think um, he would say. Mm -hmm.
1: I so, I every time the at least maybe this is just where I'm at in my life right now. And maybe because of what I just went through with my husband with being sick, like it is so fucking miraculous that we have relationships at all. Yeah. <laughs> like when I, when I really land into the purpose of the new truth, we are not busting the fairy tale only, like we are busting this idea of fucking perfection that you get it right. And then you sail off in the sunset. You don't have messy, vulnerable, awkward, like painful conversations. You don't ever doubt, you freaking doubt about your partner, right? It comes up and it happens. Yeah. and We're not, for me, love is life. Like the reason we're so childish around romance is we're actually quite childish around life. And it's getting even worse with new age spirituality that I have a right to always be happy or God's just supposed to give me what I want every single second. And then we feel bad when we're struggling and my heart is like, I want to cry, you know, with your vulnerability and with gratitude that this is how we change the world with like real conversations and the normalization that no one's actually like getting it right all the time, you know, behind closed doors along with, and it is clear your love for each other and your devotion and the courage and commitment because for me, sometimes it's like the commitment is what holds the container. That even though this is awkward and hard, we made a commitment and I'm gonna lean in. Because sometimes without commitment, like peace out, bye. Honestly. Like I'm done and on to the on to the next person.
2: Um yeah, I'll just act is, out the same shit over again. But <laughs> that is so perfectly said. Like the com- because I think that is a common question I even ask myself is like, how are we still here? Like how are we still together through everything, you know, and through this being such a struggle and, you know, that commitment has for whatever reason. And sometimes I've, I, you know, I've questioned that, like, you know, should we be together? And I get caught in the fairy tale of like, we wouldn't be having this problem if we were meant to be together, you know, or like my soulmate is somewhere else. And that's why we're having this, you know, problem. Um, And so I, I, that's why I really appreciate the, podcast because I feel like it just reminds me of my ways of going into the fairy tale. And like, you know, it still shows up in my life and wanting it to be different, but it's like just that programming of the fairy tale runs so deep in all of us.
0: And, and, and that relationships take so much work. And my soul healer once said to me in order for, and to me, this is the new paradigm in order for a long-term relationship to work. There has to be many endings and beginnings within the relationship like death of yes. the old way and then rebirth of the new way. And so it's almost like, you know, I think of, and it doesn't mean you have to break up and get back together. Like um, Kylie and Mark Grove's episode, two-part episode where we did their, them telling their story of the rupture. And then they spent like eight months apart and then got back together and without planning on getting back together. And it was an entirely different, really is an entirely different relationship the second time around. So, some long term relationships need that rupture. I think of my dear friend, um, who you know, Jackie, who she and her husband had a rupture and she experienced other experiences and then came back together and now have this beautiful, beautiful, deep bond and love and, and baby. And, and it's, and so sometimes it looks like that and like actually having to like stand at the cliff and let it go and let it die. And for a new relationship to be reborn down the road and, or a different completely different person altogether. And sometimes it's the same relationship where it just, you go through, you you stay in the relationship like you and your partner have, and you rupture, <laughs> you come to that ending yeah. and then a new a new form of relationship has is born, which I've witnessed from being close with Catherine as well in her marriage. So I think that's the new paradigm is like, it's not just one relationship forever. Like that's not going to work.
1: Yeah. Just like I, you are us as individuals too. Yes, yes, and yes. I, I really appreciate I'm, I'm noticing the healing of hearing your story, Janelle too. And, and when I think of sexuality and where I was as a teen, I mean, perfectionism is rampant. And, and I think it gets in the way of every healing journey for a woman, but even thinking about the perfect sexual woman, like where sex becomes a performance or I have to be super comfortable Mm. in my body in order to have great sex or in order to have, you know, great connection with someone, because it's clear that there was connection, you know, between the two of you. And I hope that gives permission for women as they're listening to uh, and I think there's something you want to say
2: no just around well no, not no I suppose yeah <laughs> <laughs> um I think people need to realize how multifaceted desire is
0: it's mm. it's
2: really it's not linear it's not you guys have a great connection therefore you have great sex it's not you healed from your childhood abuse therefore now you can have good sex like it the way I describe it is like, it's like a puzzle and you are constantly finding these pieces to put together. And sometimes you're searching for pieces, you have lost pieces. (laughs) Sometimes a few pieces come together really fast. And then the rest Mm -hmm. of it is broken. You know, it's, it really is this multifaceted thing. And that also the confusing part of everything is that it changes over time. Maybe you, you know, we had a baby. Um, You know, I was growing a business. He was shifting careers. He was following passions and dreams. I'm dealing with my mom's illness. Like there's all these external factors as well that also are going to contribute to it. So now all of a sudden the pieces are changing. So it really Mm -hmm. is about sort of locking in as many pieces as you can at the same time.
0: (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. And all those factors have so much impact and we forget you know how much impact our entire lives have on everything and everything is so interconnected business is connected to money is connected to relationships is connected to sex is connected to our families is co- like it's all so interconnected one piece is one piece is off the tracks and <laughs> you know i mean that i just mixed metaphors the train's yeah. up the tracks, one piece yeah. falls away or is like in the carburetor yes. and and it and it throws off the whole puzzle.
2: Where do- Yeah, and I think you you evolve over time. So that's what you got. That's kind of why that came up for me as you were talking about having to evolve the relationship or, you know, and it's like, everything is, has to evolve over time. Your sexuality, some people are like, oh, we were so hot in the beginning and then it really fizzled out um, or I'm attracted to people in the beginning and not later on. Like there's just, you need to be, willing to evolve your sexuality as well to not have this show up later in a relationship or in the beginning, like anywhere in the relationship, it has to, your sex has to evolve with your life and with your relationship.
1: Damn, everybody write that down. Yes. (laughs) Um, So what I was going to ask then is where do women start Janelle? So you have this whole form of work and all of these women are listening to this episode and ma- feeling probably a million different things as they're listening and so where do we begin where does any woman begin in the discovery of her desire and you know healing her sexuality
2: just like a puzzle you there's no right or wrong piece to put together, to put down at the right time Ooh, I like that. So I there isn't really uh here's the step by step because the work is so vulnerable and there's so much resistance often to making the changes that might need to happen it's it's just really about starting wherever you're comfortable so anything that I'm going to share it's not like a one two three kind of thing it's like a whatever feels like a yes for you and you where your is and your heart is like opening up to and leaning in like great start there So I would say, you know, some of the I'll sort of just maybe list off a couple of like the things and then we can dive into whatever one feels important, Um, you know, being able to actually understand what we like and don't like uh, when it comes to intimacy and understanding what turns us on versus what makes us feel loved and appreciated. You know, those are different just because you feel loved and appreciated or connected in a relationship doesn't mean that you're going to want to have sex. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, what actually works for your body. So it's understanding it, but then there's also the like valuing it and, and putting it as a priority and being un willing and unwavering in what you're actually willing to accept into your body, um, and into that space. And then therefore that sort of, when we get into being able to communicate it with your partner or partners, um, you know, so there's, there's that knowledge piece of our desire. The communication piece is huge. Lifestyle factor is huge. Women are burning themselves out at a fast rate. They're trying to keep up in this world. And as a result, and you guys have talked about this a lot, they're so far out of their feminine energy and they're living in their heads. And then we're trying to go from zero to a hundred by the time it's time to get sensual and intimate. They're like, Oh, I don't have the energy. Of course you don't. You're trying to go from zero to a hundred. Um, and so a lot of my work is as well, lifestyle factors that are, you know, it's, it's a way of life being turned on and accessing desire um, and having a really, you know, deeply intimate relationship is actually also a lifestyle.
0: Yes. I so agree with that. I find that like when I'm traveling and I'm in Europe and different places, I just naturally feel so turned on because I'm moving slower and I'm more present and I'm eating slower and the food's so delicious. And there's such a like heart opening and I'm so deep Deeply connected to my body and my feminine energy, that naturally I feel turned on. And I think, um, I think like the idea of lubrication is just so patriarchy. It's like, oh, you're not ready yet. Well, I'm going to jam it in anyways. Let's put some lube on here instead of actually learning how to. And I know a lot of women like sometimes it's hormonal or health related. Um, but, but like our bodies are naturally supposed to be able to lubricate from. Um, from the experience of, of being opened and being actually turned on and having your body be actually ready. And I know I've had like, that's been a huge growth edge for me is where I, I mean, sexual repression has been a, this has been my, I'd say one of my most challenging areas of growth. And from some trauma that happened in my early twenties, And going from like, I used to only have sex for men. So of course, like lubrication was always the thing that I needed because I wasn't even in my body. I wasn't even in my pleasure or in my desire. And so going from there to like actually becoming embodied and doing the work around. And it wasn't even about sex or sexuality at all. I recently just bought a course called Sex Goddess, and I'm like starting to lean into Um, cultivating more of that energy within myself, but it wasn't even about sex, but it turned, but I became more turned on naturally and inherently when I slowed down and when I got out of my head and when I learned, you know, started embodiment practices and started dancing and learned how to really reconnect with my body.
2: And like vacation sex is a real thing for a reason, like your lifestyle changes so much. You know, one woman told me, she's like, if you can help us have vacation sex more regularly, like I'm signing up and I just started laughing because it is, but that's an example of how drastic lifestyle factors are to it. I always, that's not, you know, the focus of my work necessarily, but I always, it's something that ends up coming up all the time because it's sort of the, the inhibitor, um, to, to actually creating the results that they want. So I would say, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, if I put it in sort of a few big buckets, it's really, um, you know, the communication aspect is huge. Being able to voice those needs. It's like your voice speaks on behalf of what your mind, your heart and your body need. And so mm. it's, I help women to find their voice sexually and in, in, in an intimate situation. So that can look like, you know, sharing their needs, but also, you know, emotions and vulnerability, um, and, then sort of the other bucket is around like all of our beliefs about sexuality, our shame, you know, just our shame in our desires. A lot of women have so much turn on and so much desire, but they've just never been taught to fuel it or express it or that it was for them. You know, most of the women that I work with, including myself are having sex for their partner's pleasure, or they, you know, they're not putting their enjoyment first. Um, And so a lot of the kind of deeper blocks is a big part of it for sure.
1: Oh my gosh, so much. So much. So what's I'm like I just want to keep asking questions. <laughs> so this place I can't help but feel when you talk about lifestyle again I'm I'm just on this rampage these days with how toxic perfectionism is, but the expectation we put on ourselves in our body, so I'm burnt out and stressed out. But I still think that I should be able to immediately relax and soften and be a sex goddess. So that that idea that I can just push some buttons and place an order on Amazon mm-hmm. and then immediately have everything that I need and want. And I've re- I currently have been in a process around my business where I have made I made huge sacrifices and had to get super disciplined in areas of my business in order to have the freedom and pleasure that I now have. And so I am happy that you brought up lifestyle because I want to acknowledge, because this is, I talk about the inner pusher, In my work, which essentially is the inner patriarch inside every woman's psyche and system of looking at where do I expect perfection? Where do I expect performance? Where do I expect to be able to know how to do everything? And that even if I work 10 hours in the day, I can immediately shift my energy and step into something different rather than actually starting with self-responsibility which is taking a look at around my life and saying, wait a second, where am I out of alignment? Where is there a need, a physical need? How do I create an environment that supports my ability to X, Y, Z?
2: And well, I think we're, we're also so praised our whole, we're oh, like yeah. proud of ourselves for like, it's all the things you're working for. So a lot of times women, right. Are they working hard? They've got the career, they've got the organization in the home happening, they're working out, they're you know, it's like they're doing all of these things, and they're like, but then this is the only like missing piece. But the confusing part of it all is that accessing this piece is very different than getting all the other things you want in your life, it's actually the opposite of. How you're going to achieve or get the goals in other areas of your life, how you're going to get the goals in your relationships and in your intimacy and your sex life, it's actually a very different energy um, and a very different approach. And so it can be really confusing and frustrating um, for people because they're used to getting what they want in um, a different way than our bodies require us for intimacy.
0: Yes. So and well, I mean, that. witnessing Catherine and even how I switch from how I used to do my business with the company that where we met, the company I used to work for, and and starting in my own, um, how I was committed to doing it as a projector in a really slow, spacious way. Like now I take three coaching calls max a day and I used to do nine. Like I don't know how I think it's because I was young, like I definitely got adrenal burnout, but I was so committed to shifting my entire life so that I was slowing down and way more in my body, way more in my heart. And it's been so beautiful to witness Catherine go through this in her business, shifting gears from the cycle of working so hard to actually creating so much spaciousness and that, that like that you can, if you change those other areas of your life, it will feed and fuel this area of your life.
2: And ultimately as well, why this can become so frustrating for people is because just because you slow down, and I'm sure some of you have noticed this um, just when, because you slow down and you're feeling more relaxed in your life, doesn't mean you're going to want to have more sex. And this is where it gets really frustrating for people is because they're like, well, I've, I, you know, I, I went to the spa today and I don't want to have sex or I'm, you know, I had the bath and I don't want to have sex or I'm not working as much and I don't want to have sex. And it's like, Okay. So there's obviously something else missing. So to me, this is why it's not, it's not always the core of what I teach, but I say it's the inhibitor that sort of prevents the progress from getting made, but it's not the thing in and of itself. And so I feel like it's important for us to maybe talk about what some of those things are. Yes. Let's talk (laughs) about that. And I'm still happy
1: you said it because we need to address the same, I mean, patriarchal culture that is happens in sex. Yes. Because what do we see in the movies? She's instantly turned on. They're instantly on the floor. They're instantly connected. We never see a wet spot ever in any movie, (laughs) right? Never see anybody cleaning up anything or being awkward or maybe not having their bodies perfectly fit. Um, And so I am so happy that you brought it up. And then, my God, what a perfect point and segue. And so, yes, let's talk about those other things uh, that come up.
2: So to me, I'll kind of run through the pillars. There's like 10 general pillars. So my work is called the feminine confidence formula, and it's really a way to help women move from feeling disconnected and, you know, not turned on or in the mood and insecure in their intimate life to feeling totally confident, being able to fully express themselves. And so to me, that looks like having these 10 pillars lined up, you know, at least in coming to a place of you're you're able to do these things often. Um, and so the, you know, being able to process your emotions and honor your feelings and validate how you're feeling, like that is um number one. Because if you're not tuning in to how you're feeling, um then there's no then you're just you're disconnecting. And that's what's happening in sex anyways. You're not able to give feedback to your partner. You're not able to course correct because you're not tuned in and you're not definitely not honoring those feelings. So that is a learning process. Um, Second would be listening and connecting and trusting yourself. Um, You know, we need to be able to trust that we know what's best for us versus that men know what's best for us or that, um, you know, someone else should know what's best to do in sex versus like, no, you, what you're hearing in your body, what your body's telling you is actually, you know, perfect for you. And when we follow those clues, we get quite far Um, definitely navigating past trauma and blocks would be the third, you know, being able to, I have a whole list of sexual blocks, like a massive list that I go through right in the beginning so that people have an understanding of like, here are all the potential things that could be blocking you here, are all the potential puzzle pieces. And I just sort of get everyone to sort of collect their puzzle pieces in the beginning of my, my program, because there are so many potential blocks, you know, this could look like, you know having taboo desires this could look like sexual trauma this could look like being grossed out with genitals and body fluid this could look like being a neat freak and a disinfectant freak this could look like being having same sex interests like there's so many potential things that could be tripping you up and so understanding all the the different blocks and then of course i would say these three are all really besties, understanding your needs, valuing your needs and communicating your needs. And um, I would say that is one of the biggest um, challenges is, you know, the transformation inside of us can often come a long way, but then being able to communicate it and express it is really where we get to live it and embody it, embody it. So that would be sort of the most Um, challenging often for people. And then being able to desire intimacy and enjoy intimacy and actually receive pleasure. Like just because you know what you want doesn't mean you're actually going to let someone do it to you because you're like, I don't want to take too much time or, you know, oh, he doesn't really want to do this or he's just doing this so he can do that to me later. Um, So actually learning to receive pleasure. And then the final two are around being self-loving and you know, serving of yourself. You need to be self-serving in order to have a great sex life, because if you're not putting your needs first, um, it's like you, you are not going to enjoy the experience. You need to understand what works for your body and be willing to love on yourself long before and long after all sexual experiences. Mm. Um, And then intimacy is vulnerable. I think people want to like avoid the vulnerability. They want it to be, you know, And they don't want it to feel uncomfortable, but it's like in all that discomfort is where all the magic is and all the beauty is and all the things that you actually want are, but then, you know, of course we need to have that courageousness to be vulnerable. And that just takes practice. Um, so that's sort of like the, the main 10 things I sort of get in place with all the women that I work with, um to really send them on their way. Oh my God, that's fabulous. Mm
0: -hmm. That's fabulous. I love the vulnerability. Like, I feel like that's so true for all. I mean, all of them are true for all of life but especially I love the vulnerability and that's where that's true intimacy. And I love Catherine, what you said about the movies. It's so true. Like how many, how often do we spend, do you spend watching shows, watching movies and watching like sexy sex scenes and thinking it's supposed to look like that. And real intimacy is being vulnerable is expressing our truth is expressing our needs is being willing, willing to be seen in our mess. And that's what creates closeness and true intimacy. So I love that so much. Um, I, I would lo- or sorry, go ahead.
2: I was just going to say that performative sex is a really big block for a lot of women. You know, this, this really all of the things that I just mentioned, it sort of brings in pieces of when there's, when there's blocks and struggles in all of these elements that I just mentioned, basically the end result becomes performative sex where you're, and this is what we see on TV and you're making noises that your body isn't actually wanting to make, um, or you're moving in ways to like look sexy or like you saw in porn that are going to like look a certain way versus actually like, no, I make this sound because it literally came out of me and Mm. I didn't have another choice because I'm just allowing the experience. Um, and so, you know, women, and this is also because we do, we do this for our partner's enjoyment to, so to let them know, they're like, Oh, I want to let him know that I'm enjoying it. Well, first of all, you're not enjoying it, And (laughs) you're lying. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, it's just to like pat his ego, but it's also really confusing for partners and lying about orgasms and be like, yeah, I did. I did orgasm. And (laughs) well, you know, all of these types of performative sex, um, also need to go. And this also means honesty has to be there. You know, I, sometimes I used to feel bad about telling my partner that I didn't orgasm. And it was like, like, I didn't want to make him feel bad. So I would lie. And then once I got out of that phase, like, now like he doesn't ask because it's not important right it's it's literally not important and we've discussed why it's not important and he used to ask because of what was maybe going on for himself or like he wanted to know but once I understood my needs in sex and sometimes I literally, I don't want to orgasm and me working for that and trying to get to this end destination, this goal oriented sex is also, you know, a big thing that we often talk about. It actually takes you out of being able to enjoy it. Um, because you can enjoy, like, think of all the sensations you can enjoy, but and a lot of women struggle with orgasm as well, which is why I bring this up, or they think that if they're not orgasming, then they're not enjoying it or their partner wants them to orgasm. So then again, they're trying to do something for their partner and not for themselves versus in being able to enjoy. Oh, I love when he rubs me that way. Or I love the tug on my nipples, or I love him like, um, you know, slapping my ass, or I love the way his lips feel, or I love, you know, a massage, like all of the sensations that we can enjoy that are not an orgasm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we really get goal focused in sex and in relationships. Men are trained that way. Women are you know, trained that way. And, um, that is also a huge thing that has to go. Yes. It's like results-based dating.
0: It's the same thing. It just keeps you in your head and out of your body and out of the experience. I'm so glad you said that I was about to bring it up and ask you about it um results-based sex because I feel like that's really just how we learn sex is like you have sex too because men like there's an ending for them so we learn that there's an end it's like we there's an ending for us too and every like I've had so many partners that are like have you orgasmed yet did you orgasm and it's like that's the focus is they they're like and I think for them they they did so they want to feel like you get to too um, but, but you know, I know so many women when they relax into the not being attached to the result are able to have many orgasms. Like women's a sexual um, experience is totally different than a man's.
1: Hmm. I'm so happy you said that. And now I'm just really in that, uh, yes, about results space dating. And then I'm thinking about, God, if this is how, I mean, you can't escape life without being vulnerable, no matter how hard so many people freaking try. But I keep thinking about the importance then of choosing a partner. Like I, like everyone oh. needs to get clear. Like you oh. think because of how you feel about each other, you're going to have this great relationship versus, you know, I'm in the middle of launching a dating program thinking choosing who to partner with is about Who is willing to be in the mess with me? Who is receptive to my mess and to my needs and to my feelings? Who is willing to grow with me? You know, I keep thinking that was my core value willingness. I didn't, I knew I wasn't looking for someone who did all the personal development work that I did. I was a nut job. I was investing hundreds of thousands of dollars, and that would have been insane to say, oh, I want me which is honestly what most women are doing. I'm looking for me in male form and then yeah. judging when they're not exactly like me. But willingness was my primary value. And I really want to bring that because I imagine that is so clearly how your partner brought himself to you. Like I'm willing to navigate this with you. And we then think, our, so like set for me, what I've watched, my sex life, not me personally, but my clients or when I work with couples, sex isn't happening because you're not being honest anywhere nowhere is someone being honest about what's actually happening for them in their life or sharing their feelings and then they're wondering why they don't want to have sex with each other (laughs) so your sex life begins with the courage to tell the truth in the moment about anything your courage to be present and vulnerable to receptive gestures or to things that you appreciate about your partner let alone what's happening for you. But we've got women on the hunt for a freaking husband who are totally inept at any of the skills of communicating their needs and desires or what it takes to make a relationship work. And then saying, well, I only will date someone who's six, five, rather than the person who is willing to actually be vulnerable and responsive and empathetic and accountable with me and someone, you know, I say, who can I practice love with? And that's been my anchor, actually, of what on the days when I doubt my relationship, like is Andrew someone who's willing to practice love with me? The answer to that is always yes. Hmm. The answer to that is always yes. And instead of is this someone I'm in love with and I want to spend the rest of my life with? like that's what everyone's asking when they're dating. Like, I feel love on date three. I mm-hmm. met the one <laughs> rather than do I like who I am with this person? Like, are we growing together? Do I like how I'm showing up? Do we have the same values? And are they willing to learn about love with me?
2: Yeah. I love that. I've never heard that Mm -hmm. question and I think I need to use it in my own life because I, that picking the right partner, I mean, is the reason that we're still together because sometimes when I'm chatting with women and I'm hearing about their partner, I'm also like, Oh no. Oh no, like you have picked wrong. (laughs) Um, Or, and um, I think being able to evolve your relationship over time, because we just had a conversation about like the first time we had sex a few days ago. And it was just like, so sad thinking about this dynamic (laughs) happening and and where we started. And it's like, you know, a lot of people assume because I do this work, that like my partner must be some sort of like, Tantric conscious coach, <laughs> <laughs> like he's a carpenter. Let's start uh-huh. there, you know. Like he, he's so small town carpenter. You know, he's he, so cute. <laughs> he's adorable, um, and baby. he's so much. He's so much more than that. But I want giving you that context because a lot of people think mm. that their partner needs all these tools, and all of the women that I work with um, are really leading this change inside of their life and in their relationships. And I think that, you know, it's like having he has he's not someone who's going to go search out um, solutions. He hasn't what isn't Googling on the Internet. He's not looking for coaches. He's not bringing, you know, things he that's not his style. But that I so I have been the one who who's like, you know, I'd say, really been like initiating the different changes or, Oh, let's try this or let's try that. But it's definitely having a partner who has that that willingness to keep going, because the truth is like who we were 13 years ago is not who we are now. And we've gone through many phases where we've had to evolve the relationship and take risks and try something new. And it's like, if we weren't willing, if he wasn't willing to do that with me, then I would have absolutely left the relationship by now. Um, and it was his willingness to say, yes, I'm willing to try that. Um, to see how that impacts us, to see if that helps, like that's what keeps things going. And sometimes that needs to be radical. And I see that when I sometimes get couples that I'm working with, like to shake this dynamic, you've got to be radical. And you are, you guys are not willing to live in separate houses. You're not willing to take a break. You're not willing to open the relationship. You're not willing to do something that is uncomfortable and that is going to inhibit your growth and ultimately keep you exactly where you are. And so, you know, to shake up, patterns that are strong, that are emotional um, in our relationship, we need to be willing to take risks and therefore be vulnerable. That's it. That's it. You don't get to have it both ways. You don't
1: get to have the life and relationship and the sex life of your dreams if you're not willing to get uncomfortable and take risks. And we know, I mean, when you said like you chose wrong I really want to acknowledge that if we're not taught, I mean, women are taught to be objects of desire versus this. I am the subject of my desire. I am the initiative force in my life. I am connected to my soul. So of course we end up Choosing wrong partners when we don't know how to make choices as the subject of our desire. We choose from, well, this is what I should do, what I'm supposed to do. This person provides security, or they're six feet tall, but they're not responsive to any of my needs or willing to grow or have any of the same values. Um, Or I feel good with them right now, and now I'm making a decision that's about to impact the rest of my life. And so I feel so i'm so honored to hear your story i think we could talk for probably five more hours and i really i mean i feel like all i want to do is just celebrate your work in the world like thank god you exist right and your deepest pain led you to the most transformational experience and now the work that you're offering and so many women get to benefit from and so i hope as women have listened That everyone, like just in that moment, like taking a deep breath and feeling the power of every woman who's listening to this episode with you right now, every woman who's entering this work, every woman who's having the courage to grow in these areas. And we all have to start somewhere, you know, like this, maybe your beginning is listening to this episode, (laughs) right? And then the next step is signing up for your program, (laughs) you know, and that, that place of letting ourselves have a puzzle that maybe never is all put together on the table yeah but that we can be willing to have pieces that come together day by day and I don't know if you want to what how you would want to say that about live I'm like that's what I'm feeling in my body of like can I live my puzzle like can I live devoted to finding pieces to put together every day. And and I and Andrew's parents put together puzzles all the time and they buy like 2000, like a million pieces on their dining room table and they'll work on it for months. And I just have that image in my head of like, when you walk into their house and there's that puzzle where some of the corners are put together, but there's still pieces everywhere. And like, can I breathe into that with myself, like my body that maybe it won't actually all end up being a perfect you know, puzzle put together, but that I can live the journey.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, to me, it all comes down to like what you had mentioned about willingness within yourself. Um, you know, I am so committed to my path and my healing and full sexual expression and freedom in my life. Yes, And I am so clear on that. And even though I still bring conversations to my partner regularly when I'm in tears and I'm in fear and I'm sharing him with him, a desire that has been shut down inside of myself. And it's like, but I'm, I'm so committed to myself that I'm willing to risk the relationship mm. over and over and over again. Um, but as a result, we grow, deeper. Cause every time you share something about yourself, you risk losing that person. Every time you state your need, your desire, your interest, you risk losing that relationship. And, um, but every time you choose to keep coming together through that, like that's where the intimacy grows and that's where you grow stronger. Um, and so I would just say putting yourself ahead of your relationship all the time. All the time. That
0: is the best thing you said. I mean, everything you said was so amazing, but that's my favorite thing that you said. I'm willing to risk my relationship to put myself to, to put myself first. And that that's that's exactly it. And as women, we're just taught to not, we're taught to consider everybody else, and and most women's lives are completely wired to make sure everyone else is having a good experience except themselves, which is why. Baking orgasms and all all of the things and all of the ways that we do that in all of our relationships. So can and, I do a,
2: a quick vulnerability share before yes. we leave? So there's just been recently. So we have our daughter's two and a half. And I recently was really struggling. We we're actually gonna do this interview like over a month or like a couple months ago, we were gonna do it. And I was like, I'm just not in a place to do it. Let me like get back to you guys about doing an interview and it was because I was just really struggling with what I was discovering about myself and my own needs. And we used to have an open relationship at a point that was part of our experiment and things we've played with. And then it closed. And then I was sort of having some of those desires again. But what was also sort of coming up from this was also a learning about myself around my own Um, interest in women and bisexuality and or biromantic or just sort of exploring these like things that I did not didn't understand and I did not want to bring this to my partner because we were just in such a great place Um, and I didn't know and I literally was like now that we are established in a different way with a kid like this might be it like he like, and I wrote him a letter that was like, you might walk away from this. And, and I also need to share this with you. Uh, and I need to share this with you because what if our daughter or one of our kids is, um, gay or has alternative interests or, you know, I am not, uh, I'm in a homosexual or heterosexual relationship, but I'm not, I don't consider myself, straight on, straight on, straight, you know, um, I prefer alternative relationships structures in some capacity. I prefer, um, you know, men and women at points in different capacities. And it's like, I need to be free in that and honest in that. Um, and I need to be loved for that. Um, and, you know, of course we're still, we're still, um, uh, in a really even better place because of that honesty. But I think that is, that's, that's an example of yeah. like, You, you need to be willing. And if, if he wasn't willing to, you know, hear that and love me anyways, and support that anyways, then that would be the end of our relationship because this, you know, we, it's not about being selfish. It's about being happy Mm. and full and alive so that I can give him and our family everything that they deserve. Yes,
0: yes, yes. I'm so glad you shared that. Thank you so much for your vulnerability. And I love it. I love, I love it. It's so beautiful following our, we've had um, a couple episodes with uh, Maria Palumbo and her husband, and talking about polyamory and openness. And I just love the conversation about, like, there's just so many ways a relationship can look and who you are in this moment is not necessarily who you're going to be and most likely not who you're going to be a year from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. And the journey is about allowing ourselves to be where we are and to uncover what's here right now. And I love that you have the, you know, there has to be a certain safe container in a relationship for that, for you to have permission to bring yourself fully in that way and you have to have a partner who does have the capacity and I think of David data's um, work how he talks about a man who's like really fully em- embodying his divine masculine energy is able to be the spear in the storm and able to hold all of it and um, and that we can do that for them and I think yeah I'm just so honored that you shared that and it's 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 a beautiful thing when we Remember that we have permission to follow our truth moment to moment and that your truth is not stagnant. Your truth is not, you know, tattooed on your skin. Your truth will evolve as you evolve and allowing yourself to be the brave one. You know, this is an act of rebellion to be the brave one who brings their truth over and over again to your partner, to your friends, to all areas of your life. It takes so much. Courage to follow your truth. And that's why we're doing this podcast. So thank you so much for sharing that story. And thank you for this amazing conversation.
1: Yes. Thank you so much. And where can women and where should women go freaking run (laughs) to find you
2: and follow your work? On all the social media channels. um, You can find me pretty easily. Janelle Frazier, but Frazier.com is also my website. I'd say I'm the most active on Instagram and building on um, YouTube and TikTok as well. Um, so you can find me anywhere. Um, Reach out in a private message. I'm very personable. I like having, you know, everyone that comes into my work, I have personal conversations with. And so, you know, reaching out and, you know, we can have a conversation about your story. And I just want to know people's journeys and stories, you know, whether we are fit to work together or not as well. So, um, and I've given you guys access to a freebie as well, which I think is going to be really valuable for everyone just as a starting place of how, how can you start communicating your needs in the intimate moments? How do you stand up to say, um, no, we're moving too fast or, or or, this is what I want, or this is what I would like to do instead. And, um, as well as some really great conversation starters to help deepen intimacy and relationships. So that, um, that freebie is linked below people can grab that. Thank you so
1: much. And we'll see everyone soon. If you loved this episode, let us know. If you know of another woman who needs this episode, let her know and we
0: will see you soon. Thanks for listening to The New Truth. Hi, it's Kate. Thanks so much for listening to The New Truth Podcast.